Hi, this is Angel Wilson, and welcome to Spark Up. Thank you for joining me in my lovely little corner of the internet on this podcast. We're going to be talking a lot about autism, but not just autism itself. We're going to do a lot of dialogue talking to actual autistic people, getting their perspectives on autism and how it's looked at in society. We're also going to be talking to providers who provide services for autism and how they kind of see and approach autism. And we're also going to be talking to family members and get their viewpoint on what it's like to have a family member with autism. And we're going to have dialogues with all different kinds of people, including those. Some of those dialogues could get a little deep. We might talk about some some touchy subjects like racism and access to resources. But these are all topics that we know need to be talked about. Hello, everyone. This is Angel Wilson, and welcome to Spark Up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Spark Up, in my little corner of the podcast world. I'm so happy that you are here listening in, wherever you are. Uh, Today, we have a really important guest. I think it's also the timing is really important because all the kids are getting out from school now. We're just getting into summer, and I think this is the perfect time to bring up uh, this kind of topic and talk about overall the topic of water safety. And anyone who has been following my podcast for a while, you know that this is really important to me, especially because this podcast focuses on autism, and this is a big deal in the autism community. So who I have with me today is Anna Stewart. She is uh, She oversees the Drowning Prevention Coalition here in Palm Beach County. And Anna, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I am Anna Stewart. I am the manager of the Drowning Prevention Coalition of Palm Beach County. Hopefully those that are listening have heard of our organization. If not, now you know and have heard of our organization, which is actually a government entity. We are not a nonprofit. We are funded by the Board of County Commissioners and the Children's Services Council. And as of this year, I will be doing this job for 20 years. Wow. (laughs) So you're like veteran, (laughs) veteran at it. (laughs) Yes. And I'm very, very passionate about drowning prevention and water safety because I am actually what we call a non-fatal drowning survivor. I almost drowned when I was eight years old chicken fighting. And for those of you that don't know chicken fighting, it's when you're in the pool, you have somebody standing and you have somebody on your shoulders and you try to knock each other over. And I was on the bottom and the person didn't get off of me. And my mom thought my dad was watching. My dad thought my mom was watching and nobody was watching. Mm, Wow. So that's how it all started. But for the Drowning Prevention Coalition, basically our job is to educate everybody who's willing to listen about the importance of water safety. And we do this in a couple of ways. We go out into the community and we do free land-based water safety presentations. We are an organization of two people that covers all of the 1.5 million people that live in Palm Beach County. Needless to say, we need all the advocacy that we can get. So if you're listening, have us come to your business, your school, your organization, and have us do a free land-based water safety information. We're trying not to be boring because drowning can kind of be like a wah, wah, wah kind of a topic. And we don't want it to be that way. We just want people to be 
water safe and water smart. So in addition to the presentations, we also have health and safety fairs that we attend on the weekends and the evenings. So if you have an upcoming event, please feel free to reach out to us to see if we're available. We also have a free reduced cost swim program for children ages two through 12 who receive either like Medicaid, Florida Kid Care, Healthy Kids, the caregiver gets food stamps or Section 8 housing, or the child has special needs, like those with children with autism and related disabilities, or the children are foster children. And one of the cool things is that we will also provide swimming lessons for the caregiver as well, because we do find that caregivers themselves don't know how to swim. With that, with all this being said, though, I received over 2,000 applications the first, wow. <laughs> the beginning of April when the program opened. So as of now, the program is closed. I'm not 100% sure when the program is going to reopen. So I encourage listeners to become a Facebook friend and a Twitter follower. That way you will be notified when the program does reopen. There is a shortage, though, of water safety instructors and lifeguards in this county. So it's very difficult now to find swim instruction. I'm not going to lie about that. I get a lot of people who are using our vouchers calling me saying they can't find a, a place for their child to learn how to swim because they're oftentimes operating at half capacity. They usually might have like 20 water safety instructors and lifeguards, and now they're only working with 10. So I know that there is a lot of frustration out there amongst caregivers and we just ask for their patience and there's aquatic facilities that are very reasonable in price throughout Palm Beach County. We are more than happy to help individuals find low-cost swimming lessons in their area. They just have to give me a call at 561-616-7068 and I'm more than happy to help them. So those are the three primary um, things that the Drowning Prevention Coalition does to promote water safety in the community. Nice, nice. So say you kind of uh, have a caregiver who may have actually may have found a potential person to be like for swimming lessons. Can you break down kind of what they should look for? Are there different types of swimming lessons, how to find the right instructor, things like that? that that's a great question. So I am not an expert in autism. Mm -hmm. right? right? So we recommend when you go to an aquatic facility, you want to ask the aquatics director or whomever is working there if they have instructors that are certified in what we call adaptive aquatics. That's just a fancy, a fancy term, right? For mm -hmm. having a special um, certification in dealing with special needs individuals. Okay. So that would be my question is, do you have anybody on staff that particularly handles swimming lessons with children with autism and related disabilities? Like if your child's nonverbal, I mean, these, this is information that you need to let them know as soon as you get there and you ask them, please be honest with me because I don't want to waste my time mm -hmm. if you don't have somebody that can help my child. Yeah. And it might take a couple of places you calling to, to find that somebody. And I, look, I can't guarantee though that the instructor you're going to get is fabulous. I, I we, we have no control over that. So it's kind of trial and error. And hopefully you will find a person with a lot of experience that will be helpful. 
Yeah, that's kind of the case just in general in the autism field is every provider's kind of a trial and error kind of, okay, let's see who, who fits. So um, I think a lot of the families are very familiar with that, with that kind of situation. I, I know that I have had families who had the exact situation you just mentioned where they would ask like, hey, can you handle my child? I have an autistic child. And they're like, sure. And then like two, two or three sessions in, all of a sudden they turn around and say, oh, no, we can't we can't, you know, handle or work with this child. And that is a really frustrating feeling for the the family. So I'm glad you kind of mentioned that fact of saying, you know, hey, be honest and, and you know, honest with me if you can or cannot, you know, work with my child. I think that's really important for on the provider side because providers sure. listen to listen to the podcast as well to know like, hey, if you can't, you know, handle this this child or this type of condition, you need to be honest with that because it's just mm-hmm. going to cause unnecessary, you know, drama and confusion down the line. I just think that it's important for the caregiver to express to whoever is working, you know, the front desk that, you know, maybe my child is a biter or, or, you know, doesn't look your the person in the eye. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. characteristics that your child has, it's very important to express that to the front desk person, because you don't want surprises. Right. In the end, you don't want surprises and you don't want the instructor to be like, oh, well, I didn't know that. And, you know, and that be the end of it. Right. So you as a parent or caregiver want to be transparent as well. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Something that the the way that the uh, coalition kind of addresses kind of the water safety, I absolutely love. It's kind of like ABCDs of water safety. So I want to go through each of those letters and give, of course you give kind of like an overall, but I can also kind of chime in and say how that kind of also carries over when it comes particularly to autistic kids. So um, why don't we start with like the, the, what's the A in the ABCDs? A's is for adult supervision and always swimming with a buddy. Mm. And the reason we say Adult supervision is because the number one reason why children drown is not because they don't know how to swim. It's because there is a lapse in adult supervision, period. That's it. It, it certainly doesn't help the situation if your child doesn't know how to swim, but it, it's a lapse in adult supervision. So when I talk about adult supervision, we talk about vigilant, constant adult supervision, which is really critical. Eye to eye contact, cooking in the kitchen and having your child sitting in front of a TV. That's not proper adult supervision. So always adult supervision and always swimming with a buddy. When I ask people, how do adults drown? Why are they drowning? It's because they are swimming by themselves and nobody's there to help them in case of an emergency. A is super, super important. With the A, oftentimes children drown when there's a lot of people around at a pool party or a barbecue because I think you're watching, you think I'm watching, and no one's watching, right? We recommend designating a water watcher, somebody who's sober, who's responsible, and we say, hey, for 15 minutes, your sole responsibility is to walk around that body of water and keep an eye on the pool and everybody in the pool. After 15 minutes, you then give that responsibility to somebody else, be it have a lanyard or a hat or a whistle identifying that person as the water watcher. It's important to have a water watcher at events 
seriously, because distractions, cell phones, communicating between each other, just you don't want to have any distractions. That's number one. So always have a water watcher if you're at a group event. And it's also really important to mention that when you send your child to somebody else's house to, let's say, have a play date and you're not with that child, you're leaving the responsibility of watching and caregiving to the person whose house you, you know, you sent your child to. You just have to be careful that if that person has a pool and your child doesn't know how to swim, that can be a very dangerous situation because that person may not recognize that if they look away for a second, a child can disappear, if that makes sense. So just just think of those things when you send somebody to another person's house or you go to another person's house. Yeah, I think it's especially critical when it comes to autism because a lot of autistic people are known to elope. And so, and they'll just, and there are a lot of them, I mentioned this like almost exactly a year ago, I mentioned this, but um, they're also known to really like water. And that is a very dangerous combination because whether they can swim or not, there a lot of autistic people, especially the kids seem to be drawn to water. And so I am reiterating what you said in the sense that there has to be someone keeping an eye on the child at all times. This goes like quadruple. If there is any kind of body of water, even if it's just a bathtub, if there's any kind of body of water in the vicinity, like they need to be keeping a hawk eye on that child because I've seen way too many stories of kids kind of, you know, wandering out from the backyard. We had several of those happen last summer. And they were all autistic kids where they wandered off or they ran off. They were all between the ages of, I think, like two and about five or six. And they found a body of water, be it a canal, a stream, a pond, and they drowned. And the parents, it was just like you said, one thought that one was watching, one thought the other was watching, no one was actually watching. And it's something that can completely be prevented. So, um I'm happy that, you know, you're kind of reiterating all of that as well. And it's and it's very important. I'm happy that it's like the A because it's I, I agree. I think it's the most important part. I think it most is of mo- it. it. Yeah, it is the most important component, obviously, is adult supervision. Yeah. But with that being said, you can't watch a child 24 hours a day, seven days yeah. a week. Yeah. I mean, that goes for every child. Right. So this is where the B comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. We have barriers bathroom safety, backyard safety, beach safety, and boating safety. And I know that's a lot of information. So let's start with barriers. Mm -hmm. When lapse of supervision occurs, you want to have barriers in place to prevent the child from gaining access to water. For example, Mm -hmm. you have door alarms that chime when the door opens and closes. You have door safety locks that prevents children from opening the doorknob. That's really helpful, particularly to go into bathrooms, right? Mm-hmm. So a child doesn't gain access to the bathroom. You have isolation fencing with a self-locking, self-latching gate. But none of this is great unless it's it has to be in perfect working order. Your door alarms, make sure the batteries are working. You know, they have safety alarms that go on a child's wrist. It's called the safety turtle. Mm. Uh, And there are other types of devices, but it's a wristband that goes on the wrist. And there's a portable base station that you can take with you. You Let's say you may not have a pool at your house, 
but you go to somewhere else, right, that has a, a pool, you have a safety turtle or a wristband. And when a child's wrist touches the water, the base station goes off. Mm. So there are different kinds of devices that are on the market, but you have to do your due diligence and research. We are not allowed to promote any specific program or product because we are a government entity. But in my mind, I would say I would want to do everything I possibly could to try to make my household safe. Mm -hmm. And that's why we use the layers of protection, obviously supervision, but when that fails, you can have the, the locks on the doors and the alarms, et cetera, et cetera. So barriers are really, really important, particularly children with autism or related disabilities, knowing that they elope and wander. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just know that these children are smart and they observe you opening and closing the doors and oh, stuff yeah. like that. They can pull over a, a, a chair, let's say, and unlock the latch at the top. These are things that as parents that we have to think about. We may not think it's going to happen to us, but it can. And that's what we have to remember is being the best of parents, being a helicopter parent, whatever that phrase you want to use. The intention is never to lose sight of your child, right? But it does happen. Life happens. And that's why we have these barriers in place to help us if supervision lapses. So barriers, really, really, really important. I I cannot express that enough. If you have screen enclosures, all the screens need to be intact. You don't want to have any holes in the screen enclosure. You have to make sure everything is working. The latches are working. As I said, kids are super smart. You want to prepare for the unexpected, or as we say, expect the unexpected. And these barrier type devices, they're not that expensive. For sure. And like I said, because I think a lot of families that they have the children who elope, I think some of them probably have those kind of devices in place already, especially the the locks for the doors, the ones that go like higher up so the child can't reach them and things like that. Same kind of things can be used when it comes to keeping them out from going outside or going into a pond or going into the pool. Like, uh, Like you said, they're readily available. It's just a matter of doing a research, seeing what fits best for your home, what fits best for your family etc. Uh, what's the next B? So the next is bathroom safety. As you mentioned, bathroom safety is very, very important, particularly for children ages one and under. Mm-hmm. Those children are very susceptible to drowning in bathtubs, buckets, and toilets. As you said, children with autism and related disabilities are very attracted to water. And so the bathroom where there's water in the bathtub and in the sink and in the toilet They're not aware of the dangers associated with that. So obviously, when you go to bathe your child, make sure you're there with them in person, not talking on your phone, not being distracted, but have playtime, interact. That's super important. Also with the bath, um, the toilet, for example, they have toilet lid locks that can prevent children from opening the toilet lid. Mm Mm-hmm. And then for babies, newborns, I remember when I had my child, which was a long time ago, we had one of those bathing apparatuses that fit on top of the sink. I remember those. Right? And it supposedly has like that non-slip padding there that you put the baby there and blah, 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 blah. And looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that is a total drowning hazard if I'm not paying attention 
to what I'm doing because the child could feasibly slip right underneath that water. So bathroom safety is super important. If you have buckets, you know, turn them upside down and when not, you know, when they're not in use. Also during hurricane season, what are we told to fill during hurricane season? The bathtub. The bathtub is that then that is a drowning hazard waiting to happen. So we recommend get one of those large plastic tubs that you would use for storage, clean it, sanitize it how you, you know, how you would with a bathtub and store the water in there and then put the lid on top of it. And there you have it. You have the water storage, but you don't have the access readily available for young children. So that's bathroom. And plus, you still have access to your bathtub. Then. <laughs> so exactly. that's, actually, that's actually a really good idea. I never thought Isn't about it, that one. Right? And a lot of people don't. And during hurricane season, I try to notify all the weather people um, in the media and just say, can you please mention this? Because people don't talk about it. Right. <laughs> and people are concerned about their roofs blowing off and losing electricity. They're not concerned about drowning. You have to be concerned about drowning anytime there's water. It only takes two inches of water. For an adult to drown and for a child, even less than that, because all the water has to do is cover the nose and the mouth. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. And we've had instances where drownings have happened in the bathtub, even when there's a little less than two inches of water because a child falls over and then they end up drowning. So mm-hmm. please, please, please be cognizant of that. Yeah. Then we have backyard safety. And what we mean by this uh, is what I'm going to ask you, what would you do if you found your child drowning in the water? Um, probably immediately try to get them out of the water would be the, 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 the first thing, but then I can swim. So that would be my, my default. Um, if I couldn't swim, probably try to, uh, either call for someone immediately to help or try to find something to help get them out of the, get them out of the body of water. I would think. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, you are correct. We never recommend jumping in after somebody cause they can drown you. Mm. as well because you're lighter in water than you are on land so a three-year-old who let's say is struggling in the water you jump in after them and you can't swim they grab onto you you're going to go under and how many drownings do we have now yeah we have two two. that's not to say as parents i know what parents are going to do they're going to jump in no matter what most likely and i'm going to put my mom hat on right now because we don't recommend jumping in after somebody but if you do bring a flotation device with you Mm. such as a pool noodle or an inner tube because if you jump in with something like that and the person grabs onto you you can at least stay above the water if you're grabbing onto that flotation device right that's what i'm saying about that getting back to never going in after somebody we recommend reach or throw don't go Meaning you want to reach an object out to somebody to elongate your reach to help save them. But what we really need to emphasize is the importance of laying down on the ground when you go to pull that person to safety. If I'm standing up and you're in the water and you pull on, let's say, the pool noodle, I'm going to go right in the water and that doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. So make sure you lie down on the ground when pulling that person to safety. A three-year-old can save a grown-up because... You're lighter in water than you are on land. And when you're lying down on the ground, all your body weight is on the ground. So a three-year-old could save your life, right? So you have a pool noodle, a rope, hose, a stick, anything to elongate your reach. So you have um, reach and then you throw something that floats. So what floats? An empty styrofoam cooler floats, an inner tube floats. 
what else floats that you can think of? You mentioned the noodles. Um, I'm trying to think what else. A boogie uh, board. Boogie board, yep. Right? Yep. You can even make a water safety device at home, believe it or not, using an empty laundry detergent container. If a laundry hmm. detergent container is empty, what's it filled with? Air. Air. Mm-hmm. And it will and float. You float. attach a long rope to that laundry detergent container and you can use that as a life safety device by throwing it out to somebody, having them hold on to it, and then you laying down on the ground holding that rope and pulling them to safety. Wow. It Did doesn't not- cost a lot of money, right? So we say reach, throw, don't go. And that's what we also teach the children in school. Reach, throw, don't go. And don't forget, when you reach out an object, you want to make sure you lie down on the ground. And if you decide to go in, we want to bring that pool noodle, life ring, or safety, floating safety device with you. So that's backyard. And then beach, gosh, we live in South Florida and we have some wonderful beaches. What do you think the number one rule is when it comes to beach safety? I mean, I don't even go in the water at the beach. So it's it's like I, because uh, I'm nervous about rip currents and all kinds uh-huh. of things. So um, I don't know. Infor- enlighten me. What is the <laughs> What is the number one rule? You always want to swim in a lifeguard at beach. Yes. Always swim in front of a lifeguard because a lifeguard is there to help protect who's ever in the water. With that being said, though, if you go to a lifeguard at beach, doesn't give you carte blanche not to watch your children. Right. You still have to be watching. The lifeguards have hundreds of people that they have to watch. They can't keep an eye on your kid by themselves. Always swim from a lifeguard to beach, going during hours when they are working, not after hours or, you know, super early in the morning. The reason we also tell people to go to a lifeguarded beach is because there's beach flags that are flying mm-hmm. at the stands that tell you what the conditions are of the water. So if you see a green flag, that means, hey, it's safe to go on the water. Yellow, caution, red, dangerous, double red means it's usually closed. And we talk to children, does that red, yellow, and green remind you of anything that you see when your parents are driving? A stoplight. And so that's what we teach the children. And then you have the purple flag, which is dangerous marine life. Man of war, jellyfish, sea lice. And personally, if I see a purple flag, I'm turning around and I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's important to know what the beach flags are. A lot of the drownings that occur at the beach are when lifeguards aren't present and people get caught up in a rip current. And a rip current is a current that pulls you away from the shore. You could be at your knees and be pulled away by a rip current. Rip currents are super strong. We recommend don't fight, swim left or right. Don't fight, swim left or right. Don't panic. Panicking, that's the worst thing that you can do. Turn over and float. Yell for help. Let the current take you out where it's not, you know, when it's no longer working, sucking you out into the ocean. And then you swim parallel to the shore. Don't fight, swim left or right. But rip currents is a big issue. And we find that oftentimes adults drown going in after their children who are caught in rip currents. And subsequently, the... The children usually usually survive, but the caregiver usually ends up drowning. Mm-hmm. That's why we always swim in front of a lifeguard. And then yeah. boating safety, my whole main thing with that is always wear a U.S. Coast Guard life jacket mm-hmm. that fits properly. Get rid of the floaties. 
They're filled with air. They can pop. They can deflate. They can come off the child's arm. It's like, would you blow up a balloon and attach it to your child's arm? No. Of course not. But that's what floaties are. But they give a false sense of security. Get rid of those items. Wear a U.S. Coast Guard approved life jacket that fits properly. I Mm -hmm. recommend going to store with your child and have the child pick out the life jacket. If they pick out the life jacket, they're more likely to wear it than Mm -hmm. if you pick it out. Just make sure it fits snugly, not too tight, but snug enough that it doesn't go above the bottom of the earlobes when you lift the shoulders. Because if it goes above the bottom of the earlobes, that means it's too big. Gotcha. And that's the bees. I I also wanted to mention with the uh, the beach safety because this is coming from someone who has been stung by a jellyfish before. I think people may think that like, oh well, I can still kind of like make it if I get stung. I'm like, uh, nope. I got one that just kind of went across my leg, and that leg was almost like useless for like a good ten or fifteen minutes. And I luckily had people with me and one was able to kind of help me. There was a whole school of jellyfish that were coming through, so everyone was just. It was bad, but um, yeah. someone was able to like get my arm and help me to back onto the boat. So do not, I'm glad you mentioned like the sea life. Do not underestimate the jellyfish, the man of war, any of those. Cause they will kind of, even like, even if it's just temporarily, they will disable you. And if you're out and that happens, yeah, you're, you might be stuck and heaven forbid there's a rip current at the same time. Cause now you're really in trouble. Cause you can't even properly swim mm-hmm. left or right. And that's why swinging in front of a lifeguard is important because if you get mm-hmm. stung by a jellyfish or man of war, they have that solution yeah. in the tower that they can bring to you that you can spray on that hopefully will alleviate some of that pain. But yeah, right. you bring up an excellent point. So that's the B's. And then we have C, which is for canal safety and classes in swimming and calling 911. So obviously nice. in case of an emergency, anytime there is a drowning, you want to call 911. If you're by yourself, put it on speaker. Mm-hmm. So you're not having the phone, you know, having to hold it in your hand. If you're trying to help somebody, but you still have 911 on the other line, at least it's a speaker. Or you say, right. hey, you go call 911, right? Mm-hmm. And then learning CPR is super important too. And this goes for everybody. Everybody should know CPR, but particularly for drowning victims, having the breaths with the CPR is critical. Oftentimes now though, a lot of people are afraid to put their mouth on strangers. So they're only gonna do the chest compressions, which is better than nothing. Yeah. Which is better than nothing, the chest compressions. But with drowning victims, particularly having that, the rescue breaths is very important. I recommend going to an American Red Cross class or what other, there's other agencies as well to do CPR classes. So you can always look into that as well by going online, but everybody should know CPR. And then we talk about canal safety. And I hate to say this, but a lot of the drownings with children with autism and related disabilities end up in canals. Yep. And ponds. Yep. Because it's water and we're attracted to water. Mm-hmm. 
And when we go into elementary schools and to talk to children and we talk about, you know, what kind of animals are in that water? And the kids say, alligators. All the children are like, oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And you're like, snakes, that's so cool. Snapping turtles, oh, that's so cool. The kid, the children are not phased by this Right. when we talk to them. However, when we say, where do all those animals poop? They poop in that dirty water. That's when all the children go, the light bulb goes off and they go, ew, that's gross. So when we talk about canal water, we talk to the children about staying out of poopy water. So I recommend maybe using that terminology with your children to kind of give it in through the head, stay out of, you know, poopy water. So that just not only goes for canals, right, but for also ponds. Mm-hmm. And just dirty water in general. Yeah. And that's really important to talk about. And then yeah. classes in swimming. I mentioned our free reduced cost swim program, but I also recommend going to our website at www.pbcgov.org forward slash DPC. Click on swimming lessons at the top, then aquatic facilities, and you'll see a list of aquatic facilities throughout the county. I just need to emphasize your county and city facilities will always be less expensive than your YMCAs, JCCs, and private swim schools. And that's with regards to that. Mm -hmm. So check out our website. It's got a plethora of information. All county pools charge $60 for eight lessons, Mm -hmm. group lessons, which is a, which is really reasonable in price in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. drain safety and driving safety. Drain safety is because of suction entrapment issues in people's backyard swimming pools. By law, commercial pools, hotels, motels, HOA pools, by law have to have anti-entrapment drain covers. It's people's home pools that we are concerned about having the old, old drains that cause suction entrapment. So if your children want to dive down and they go near the drain, it can suck their hair, it can suck, you know, they can suck their body to the drain. We need to know where the cutoff switch is to the pool pump. If you go to somebody's house or your own pool for that matter, you need to know where the cutoff switch is to the pool pump. If you have your own pool, I highly recommend getting an uh, anti-entrapment drain cover. Have a professional come out, check it out, and install one if need be. But that's why we talk about drains is to prevent suction entrapment. I've never even thought about that one. Right, you don't think about these things when you go to people's pools, but it's very important to know this information. And then diving, we never recommend diving into anything that's nine feet deep or less because you can suffer neck injury, head injury, and so forth, but your backyard pools don't have the numbers on them. It's usually commercial pools are required to have those numbers. So this is why backyard pools can be very, very dangerous for children. And then we have driving safety. The reason I mentioned driving safety is because the second leading cause of drowning in this county are motor vehicle crashes that go into bodies of water. 
And when people say, Anna, I don't need to learn how to swim because I don't go to the pool and I don't go to the ocean. I say, well, that's great. But are you a passenger in a car? Do you drive a car? What if that car goes into a body of water? What are you going to do? And so I have a presentation actually on just how to escape a sinking vehicle. If those that are uh, listening are interested in us having come to like an HOA meeting, a parent meeting, a school, we do high school presentations on how to escape a sinking vehicle for the drivers. And we have a middle school presentation. And we also have a fourth and fifth grade presentation on, in rhyme on how to escape a sinking vehicle because it's that important. And we feel very passionately about getting this information out. With the driving safety, it's you just want to remember this acronym, sure, stay calm, unbuckle your belt, roll down your window, and exit the vehicle. You want to make sure you get yourself a rescue escape tool that can cut your seatbelt and shatter the window. Stay calm, unbuckle your belt, roll down the window, and exit the vehicle. So that's really the short abridged version uh, of that presentation. So that is the ABCDs of water safety. Nice. Um, I'm so happy that you kind of went over all of those and we got to kind of talk about it because that really is the crux of uh, that. That literally is the crux of water safety. Um, I had a question that came up kind of during the uh, I thought about it during the presentation. You kind of mentioned it a little bit about um, adults and kind of learning how to swim. How would you you kind of answer just started answering it a little bit. But um, how would you talk to an adult who's kind of hesitant about that? Um, being a parent or not a parent, um, about, about learning to swim now and be like, oh, well, you know, I've gotten this far, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) This is what I would say is that we are surrounded by water here in South Florida. You need to expect the unexpected. As I mentioned, if you drive or you're passenger in a vehicle, learning to swim is a life-saving skill. If your children know how to swim and you don't, imagine all the wonderful memories that you can create with your child or children by enjoying water recreational activities with them. They would love to be in the water with you. Go snorkeling together. There's so much there's so much fun involved with with swimming. And why lose out on those opportunities? Life is too short. And aquatic facilities are not going to let you drown. They are there to teach you to learn how to swim. You will not be put into classes with children. You will be with other adults who also may have a fear or trepidation of the water. And that's what I'd have to say. I obviously leave it up to you, but it is, it's a life-saving skill. Definitely. Um, do you guys have any um, events or anything that you're planning to do this summer that um, folks may be interested in? Are you going to be at any events coming up? Anything like that? Oh my goodness. Great question. We (laughs) attend events all throughout the year. We do actually have some library programs coming Mm -hmm. up in June and July, which I can provide to you. And then I don't know how you would want to disseminate that. But if people attend those presentations, we will actually, we'll give you an application to fill out for the swimming lessons. We'll take them. And when the swimming lessons become available, we will mail you the vouchers. So you don't have to do it online. So that is a good thing about coming to a library program is you'll have the opportunity to fill out that application for your children and for yourself if you don't know how to swim. And then our biggest event throughout the year, honestly, is the South Florida Fair. We're there every day for 17 days. Make sure you come out and say hello to us. So that's the biggest event 
But we ourselves, because we're such a small organization of two people, we don't host events. We go to other people's events. Gotcha. I know I've seen you guys in a a couple of different places, so which is how we even connected to begin with. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, again, it's something that it's amazing that you know of just like two people, because I know that that that's a lot. But um, I really appreciate I think the community really appreciates like all the work that you guys do and how you collaborate with um, other organizations to kind of help inform their staff, their families and and so forth. So that is all greatly appreciated. You mentioned kind of throughout, but just as like a one shot, give me like all the info and give give us all the contact info for you guys just in, in one shot right here. Okay, my telephone number, personal telephone number directly to my line at, at the office is 561-616-7068. And then my email is A-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. So it's A Stewart, my first initial and last name, at PBCGov, like Palm Beach County Government, pbcgov.org. So it's A Stewart at pbcgov.org. Please feel free to call me, to email me, to get our information, to have us come out and speak to your organization, your business, your work, your religious institution. We don't care. We just want to get this information out to the public. So please help us. We need all the help we can get. We need as many water safety advocates as possible. For sure. You definitely have one here. (laughs) And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Um, any kind of like uh, parting words or tips or anything? You've given a lot, but is there anything else you can think of like closing out? Closing out, basically, we just want everybody to be water safe and water smart and just practicing thoughtful water safety ideas and tips and just think about it. Just don't have your head in the sand thinking that nothing can happen to you because that's just not the case. Expect the unexpected and be prepared. Have those barriers in place to prevent that tragedy from occurring. Put your children, put yourself in swimming lessons. Always maintain supervision. Have that water watcher at, you know, a barbecue or a party. Swim in front of those lifeguards at the beach. Wear those life jackets if you can't swim. Forget the floaties. You know what I'm saying? And learn how to escape a sinking vehicle. I know that's all a lot, but my parting is always swim with a buddy, never swim alone, and constant adult supervision. All right. Awesome. Um, Anna, again, thank you so much for coming on and, and share. I learned a lot of things today, so that's awesome. I always love when a guest comes on and I learn some things. So thank you so much. I definitely did. And um, I hope to see you on the podcast again at some point and oh, see you out and absolutely. about in the community. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you so much for having me and um, be safe to all the listeners out there. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again to Anna Stewart for coming onto the podcast today and giving us so much about uh, water safety. Like I said, I learned some things and whenever I learn, I am happy. I always want to gain more knowledge. So, and I'm glad, and I hope that you all gain some knowledge from this as well. And we'll consider if you live in this County to reach out 
to Anna and her coalition to possibly, you know, get slimming lessons, have them come out and, and, and talk to your uh, organization, by all means, please, you know, don't hesitate. And that will wrap it up for this episode. I think this is a nice way to kind of kick off kind of the summer vibes of it is the water safety part. So again, if you want to reach out to me, if you are interested in my services of Spark Guidance, where I do trainings and, and workshops for providers, but on autism, if you're interested in those services, or if you're interested in possibly being a guest on the podcast, reach out to me. Uh, you can email me. My email address is Angel W A N G E L W at sparkguidance.com. That's S P A R C G U I D A N C E.com. So, Angel W at sparkguidance.com. You can also connect to me through my website, which is sparkguidance.com. Same spelling. So, www.sparkguidance.com. And if you want a direct link to this podcast where you can hear this episode, will probably be out toward the middle end of June or any of the other previous uh, episodes, then you can hit me up at sparkupautism.com. So www.sparkupautism.com. So again, thank you for coming to my little corner of the podcast world. I hope you all have a lovely rest of your day, night, whatever time it is. And remember, be blessed. Don't be stressed. Bye.